1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Indie Football Podcast. I'm your host Luke Brown and joining me in the studio this week we have Chief Football Writer Miguel Delaney and football reporter Lawrence Osler. Uh, We don't have Tony Evans with us this week which means we're finally saved to do a Manchester United themed podcast. We're (laughs) going to assess their start to the new season, we're going to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics and we're going to celebrate the galaxy brain of football genius Ed Woodward. But before all of that, let's talk about their most recent match, which was obviously a 1-1 draw with Liverpool. Uh, So we're going to start with our northern football correspondent, Mark Critchley, who was at Old Trafford for us. And he very helpfully sent in this summary
2: just before we got into the studio. It was probably the most encouraging performance of Solskjaer's permanent tenure to date, I'd say. Um, Certainly the best since Paris, probably. And a large part of that was down to the, the system change. We saw five at the back. Um, it's a it's a system that kind of fits United's squad at the minute because they've got quite a few a lot of numbers in defence if nowhere else, especially at centre back. And what it did effectively was shut down Liverpool's full-backs. We, we know Liverpool. We know that midfield doesn't create a lot. If they're missing one of the front three as they were on Sunday with Mo Salah, then the the, the onus is really on Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold to get forward. Supply crosses. And United didn't let them do that. United had their own full-backs, Wan-Bissaka and Young, right on their toes. You saw Alisson kicks out to the full-backs and there were Wan-Bissaka and Young right on them. And it worked and it allowed United to establish a foothold in the game. And yeah, like I say, it produced probably... (laughs) <laughs> the highlight maybe of, of United's season so far in that that first half you felt well this this is a team that you know is causing Liverpool a lot of problems here and could go on to win the game and in that sense and there was a positive
1: Thanks Mark Miguel you are also at the game for us and you were fairly impressed with United's performance
0: Well relatively speaking I mean all of this has to be put into the context that there are still huge questions about the direction of the club and about whether Solskjaer is even the right man for the job but within that and the fact that up until the injury to Mohamed Salah, absolutely everything was going right for Liverpool and absolutely everything was going wrong for Manchester United, I think they do deserve a bit of credit. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff lately about how, oh, look how far they've fallen and they, oh, they've oh they accepted a game where they only got a draw and they only had two shots on target. But that's kind of beside the point. Well, sorry, that is the point. That's because they've been so bad that this... Because, I mean, the expectation from a lot of people was that Liverpool would easily beat them. And I think that was a fair, a fair enough expectation. And it wasn't just that United put in a bit of spirit, to be fair, and all of that. There was actually some really... Uh, you, you could see some proper tactical agency from Solskjaer. I think Dave handled Liverpool's fullbacks, who were arguably the key to how this Liverpool team worked more than anyone else, uh, better than any better than any other team this season. And I think they do deserve credit. Uh, but again, we come back to the bigger question about United, is that whether that is just because it suits them to play in this quote-unquote small-team way... And we still don't know what they're going to do going forward against smaller teams. Yeah, you were very
1: complimentary in your match, but weren't you saying that uh, probably Solskjaer's most impressive tactical performance since PSG in March?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. I mean, and, okay, and there was an element of fluke about that PSG game, but it shouldn't be forgotten that before the game, he basically spelled out exactly how it would go. Uh, and this, he didn't He didn't talk about it in a similar way before this game, but it did, it did just feel as if he, it was the most, you could see the most tangible effect from what he was trying to do, and, and uh, again, were, like Wamba Saka was absolutely brilliant against Robertson, and it wasn't just that Wamba Saka, you know, blocked him in the way that has become really impressive about uh, the right backs game. It was the balance it gave the team going forward as well.
1: He's obviously been steadily improving. Wamba Saka, he was brilliant at Palace last season, slightly rocky start at United, and he's been kind of improving. Uh, Lawrence do you think that he's kind of just beginning to feel more at home now or do you think it was the fact that United played in this very specific way which allowed him to kind of be at his best
3: yeah I think he's starting to feel more at home I think he has he's kind of picked up where he left off during the last 18 months at Crystal Palace being really consistent defensively being quite useful in attacking positions but perhaps not as as much of a threat as players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's the kind of obvious comparison with, with a young England fullback. Um, and I guess that weakness has been highlighted because he's playing for Manchester United now. Like Palace and Roy Hodgson particularly likes to have quite a flat back four for most of the game. And they obviously don't have a lot of possession. I think that that's the biggest problem for Wan-Bissaka. It's just he's now at a team, albeit a struggling team, who, who do have a bit more of the ball. And, and there is that more kind of emphasis on attacking football. And I think that... Slight weakness has been exposed, but um, I think he'll improve. I, I, I don't think he's... I think he literally does not have the natural gifts to become someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold who gets 10, 15 assists in a season, but I think he has a a really useful role in Manchester United's future. I guess I'm interested to understand the, kind of what Miguel thinks the, the ceiling is of this Solskjaer kind of era, because clearly there are some shoots of promise, but just... Whether there's a kind of is there a, a league title at the end of it? Is there a top four position? It feels like they're so far away from all of that. I'm just not quite sure what the ceiling is.
0: Um <sighs> ultimately I can't get away from the fundamental idea that I probably don't think Solskjaer is good enough for the job. Yeah. I don't think we've seen enough from him. Um The, the thinking at United is that the what how they played from January to March, or say December to March when he came in, is still close to what you can actually expect. Um, and one of the arguments that it's not working at the moment is for a few reasons, basically. First of all, they say, I wrote a bit this before the game, but basically the squad is suffering from a drag effect from basically, as they would willingly admit, two years of bad recruitment under Van Gaal, four years of trying to get it all together, and just then trying to trying to move everything out and change things and it's almost that can't happen quick enough that they'd like and as well as that there's the fact that all of all the players described the last season particularly with how they were managed by Mourinho as the most exhausting of their career physically and mentally so all of this and a short squad and and a new fitness program uh, and all this fatigue basically led to the season where they suddenly they were already short going into the season. They weren't maybe quite yet ready to play fully the football once, without further compromise by all the injuries they have, which feels connected. So, I mean, there is a sense that this is a perfect storm and that everything's going wrong at once. Um, once they get a bit fitter, once they settle a bit, and once they get more signings, it will start to sort itself out. Um, I, st- I personally, I still think they can only at best make them a top four team. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they seem to have faith. Um, I think from from the way i mean i suppose everyone's talking about the briefings of the last week but we we've all i think it's it's fairly clear that at the moment woodward is and the the hierarchy are insistent that solskjaer is a man for the job they think he he's perfectly in sync with their ideas that they say that's why they appointed him it wasn't to do with the emotional effect of anything of the psg game or anything like that but you would wonder if it does get worse. And I think that, to be fair, this is why Saturday or Sunday's game was so big in that sense. If it did get worse, no matter how sincere they are in their will to keep Solskjaer, would they have held their nerve? And I'm not I'm not sure they would have. It's I was just
3: gonna add to that, is there a when you say he's the right they think he's the right man for the job, is the job right now actually going and challenging for trophies, or is the job right now actually to just stabilize get to a point of top four and also and perhaps the longer term plan is okay social Solskjaer at some point it's going to reach his limit and we're going to have to replace him but he's the perfect man for the kind of let's stabilize let's get a structure around him let's get the right players in place and he can kind of bring us back some consistency some top four challenge like you say and perhaps is there a sense that perhaps in the future, they might have to bring in someone else and they're happy with that idea.
0: No, no I think it's it's Solskjaer sure for the long the term. The I mean, and way. the long term is to win trophies, yeah, to go the whole way. I think that's that's what think they're doing now. And, and this isn't mentioned overtly at the club, but everyone's seen the stats comparing to 89-90 in the terms of how bad things were. But I think some people at the club would see in terms of 89-90 in, in the way that things were going badly for Ferguson then, but he wasn't sacked because everyone could see the work going on underneath. And I think that's what they hope is happening now without directly making the comparison to that time. I think that's honourable. There is some evidence to suggest it might be the case, but personally, I'm still doubtful as to whether it will go far enough.
1: Obviously, you wrote
0: a big match
1: preview ahead of the um, Liverpool game, kind of assessing Solskjaer and where the club is at currently and Woodward and everything kind of was in that piece. Do we think that Solskjaer should maybe take share of the responsibility for the injury crisis that they've currently got because obviously he's come in after Mourinho when the players are used to playing in a very specific way and not overexerting themselves on the training field or out on the pitch and then he's come in and has immediately completely ripped that up and is kind of demanding a lot more of them and the injuries seem quite a natural consequence of that so really, you know, is, is, is he to blame for, the, for, the, for, for that injury
0: crisis right now? Um, I suppose maybe they would say blame is the wrong word and that the squad is basically built for a one way of playing football or conditioned by one way of football, and they're trying to gradually change it to another way of football, and and that's going to take some pain. So, uh, again, this this is something you hear a lot of United at the moment, that it's basically short-term pain, a lot of it, for long-term gain. Um, They eventually have to go through this fitness process. I suppose the the obvious question to point out right now is given the amount of emphasis there was on running in their pre-season and sweating, um, that uh, (laughs) this is the direct cost of that. Um, I think they would say that there's more factors to it than just one preseason, um, and the injury situation will begin to level out. But I suppose we'll see the proof of that over the next few months. Because um, and, and I and this is the big problem, I suppose, in that sense that the squad is so s- so short that any any few injuries has a kind of a a disproportionate effect. Especially when it's someone like Pogba, given that midfield looks so low on qual and technical quality without him.
1: Yeah, um, Larry. Last question for the break. United's worst start in 33 years. Um, is that something we should be kind of dwelling on? Or do you think that, you know, given everything that's been said here today, there are enough kind of mitigating factors to uh, to ignore it for now?
3: Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm always wary of that stat just because the definition of start has no definition. So we'll say it after like three games and we'll say it after six games and we'll just redefine it. So I'm always wary of that statistic. But I think, I kind of think we should dwell on it. I mean, it's, it's not just that United have fallen away since Sir Alex Ferguson. They've kind of reached new... Depths, which is, I think that's the most concerning thing. Um, having taken a lot of measures financially and, and otherwise managerially to to resurrect it, so yeah, I think we kind of should be dwelling on it. I think we should be looking at it. and now, and that this is the kind of moment in the season where you start to look at the Premier League table and it starts to take shape. And United are in the what are they fourteenth, fifteenth in the table? So yeah, I, I, it's pretty concerning, and I, I wouldn't be too. Um, as Miguel says I'd be pretty cautious about what was an encouraging performance
1: okay time for a quick break uh, when we get back we're going to be talking some more about Solskjaer and then also discussing the club's executive by chairman, Ed Ludwig
3: Selling a little or a lot
1: Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. This week's topic is Manchester United. And Miguel, you've spoken a lot to the people around the club about Woodward for your piece last week. Uh, What would you say the feeling is about him around the people that matter?
0: Uh, People, he's in the job because, despite what we've seen in the football sense, he's been very successful with the main aspect of it, which is um, commercially and in in truth, I suppose, transforming, I mean this is something people probably won't want to hear Um, but he can be credited with transforming the sponsorship model at major football clubs which has basically turned United into this money making leviathan now the issue with that is, the more money they generate, and the less success they have, the more it exposes the football side of the club, which Manny would argue is the main part of his job, I think there is an issue there in the sense that I don't want to have a, I doesn't have a certain sympathy for Woodward in that regard, but ultimately that there's so much on that job, so much the football side shouldn't be on him. Now the big criticism is whether he can detach himself from the the football side. But um, I mean, one big criticism from people around the club is that he enjoys the glamour of kind of signings and making big decisions too much. People close to him would say that he actually wants to. Uh, Detach himself from that. That there is a longer-term plan in place. Um, They would argue against the idea. There's no football structure, uh, and point to kind of the the number of bodies in there, the the people involved in the recruitment structure. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I mean, as I said in that piece, there's an interesting thing here, and this doesn't just touch on United. This, I think, goes to how we're going to the future of absolutely top-level football, in that. On one side, you've basically got the clubs like Liverpool, Manchester City, and Barcelona. And what really separates them is they've got a very, very defined way of playing. it's extremely specific. and everything at the club, from managerial decisions to player decisions to everything, it just flows from that and it makes it makes a lot of decisions much easier. I suppose, but it is going kind of anchor you a bit way, anchor you to a certain way, a bit more. And on the other side is the clubs like Real Madrid. Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester United, where it's all a bit broader and the, the definitions aren't as fixed um, and it gives you more scope but means that when something goes wrong, it can go badly wrong, as we've seen with Real Madrid, as we've seen with Manchester United. Uh, even we saw PSG two years ago when they were beaten to the league by Monaco. Uh, so when it's in, personally, I would be more of the the City Liverpool side, I think that's the, the, that's been proven as the future for now. But as we, the game can evolve quickly, uh, but United are consciously going against that, and I it's why, I mean, one of the arguments I would make is that any technical director they bring in, or whatever um, title they give the role, that should be the person that's deciding the type of football this team plays and makes decisions like like this summer. Well, don't sell a striker without having adequate re- replacement. Whereas what United want to do is to bring in uh, some sort of sporting or technical director who's more just another part in an overall structure. And you could argue that maybe that there's logic to that and that makes it means that no single part is irreplaceable, but it still kind of just makes it a bit of a, a vaguer issue. Um, Sorry, I was just going to say, do you think it's- it
3: seems odd to me that some of the names that have come up and been mentioned with that kind of role in the past 12 months have been like Darren Fletcher, mm-hmm. Rio Ferdinand, I think Patrice Evra recently, rather than, say, someone like Dan Ashworth, who yeah. was available when Brighton took him. Why is it that you think that they've gone? They've not gone for someone who's that kind of mould, like an Ashworth.
0: So, uh, so I put this to a, exactly that question to a pretty high united contact, and they're basically saying that, uh, well, we could give you the example of Monshi, who's probably the best man for the job. But if we brought in Monshi, the way he works is, it's it's his own way basically, and he'd want to bring in his own staff. And we've already got a structure in place that we're trying to build something else, and it's slightly separate to what he's trying to do. And this is pretty much the case with any overall Supremo like that or any kind of Munchy-style figure or an Ashworth-style figure. So they want someone who's kind of more integrated that way. Now, critics would say they want a the yes-man. Um, and it, it basically means Woodward has to give up power to someone like but, Ashworth. But, but not even, it's not even Woodward giving up power, essentially. It's someone that just won't have overall direction of the club in that way. Because yeah. maybe United have gone backward a little bit in that way. And or not backward, but they've taken a different step in that it's actually Solchar who's entrusted with a lot of the direction in a way that you don't see as much. I mean, even though Pep Guardiola has become so, basically, he personifies Man City at this point. One of the reasons that Guardiola worked so well was because he fit into an existing structure. Basically, um, you know, City were essentially a club that were constructed to be the perfect environment for a manager like him, Mm. uh, whereas United are kind of almost doing it the other way around. Like
3: to go, almost going back to the Fergie style. A, a little bit, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. Given, given Solskjaer feels very much the manager in that regard.
1: Yeah. I suppose in Woodward's defence is that he's had to come in and completely rip up the old Ferguson-era recruitment strategy and try and untangle that to some degree. And that's almost an impossible job. I mean, his legacy is stamped all over the club, and that's why Solskjaer has inherited
0: so much power. Yeah, completely, completely, yeah. There may there's a few ironies there, given uh, Josie Mourinho and those close ones would say, well, that's the power we wanted and suggested we should have. <laughs> but again, this is another issue. Like, and and maybe this is a problem in assessing United now in the sense that the the argument they would make is that they are finally making a series of correct decisions. They would point to recruitment this summer and the overall decision to Solskjaer, whereas well, what has been a problem is the last few years they made every wrong decision, particularly in recruitment and, I would argue, with the managers. I mean, Moyes was never up to it. Then get, and then they basically went to two managers who were past their best. In, 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 seduced it, by names, really.
3: There was an incredibly damning report. Uh, did you read this about Moy, how Moyes turned down Thiago Alcantara because he'd be, essentially never heard of him? Yeah. And like, basically yeah. now one of the best midfielders on the planet. It even was then. Yeah. But it just, And then I think they brought in Fellaini. That was the summer they brought in Fellaini. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, things like that just I kind of blow my mind. It's Manchester United. Well, I
0: mean, one of the stories I had in that piece basically was that... Um, at one point that summer, Moyes went to the tech to the scouting department and basically said, um, "Where are we, where are the suggestions for players? Who like who's scouting the players?" And that was basically because the entire Fer- 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 Fergie's Fer- Fergie's system of signing players. Not even I'm not, I'm not even going to call it a recruitment program, but it was so based on how he worked and his personality that the really the the, the scouting department is really only there to say no to players he had doubts about. Uh, And obviously you need scouting departments to actually actually offer you yeses. So this is one, one thing they completely had to work through. And it was just one reason why Moyes, or one other reason why Moyes so struggled in that job. On that though, do you think that Ferguson appreciated
1: the recruitment strategies at other clubs? Because obviously he kind of championed Moyes for the job and played such an important role in getting Moyes into the club. Do you think he was aware that like Moyes wouldn't be used to a kind of recruitment strategy like that at Everton and essentially he was going to come in and then inherit all this responsibility that mm-hmm.
0: he didn't really know what to do with it. It's probably actually one of the grand ironies of Ferguson's career in that sense. I mean this is a guy who the reason he's probably the greatest manager ever because was he adapted to every single change and like whatever happened in the game he, he he would see what was he would he would take it on, internalize it and go forward. But so much of that was also based on his personal charisma and power, which is why he had absolutely so because it worked for him. And he was, he essentially did a ten jobs at Old Trafford really. When you think about it now, he had no reason to look at it, to the internal structure of clubs in that way. So it just it wouldn't have, maybe it wouldn't have occurred to him how other clubs needed to work. And I, and that was basically how United got caught cold. And Arsenal tried to preempt this with Wenger, but it seems they didn't quite get it right. Where. To be fair to them, in the in the build-up to Wenger's departure, they already started to put it to kind of, you know, unstitch elements of his job and give the power to other people like Mislintat, like Sanlehi. Uh, it just hasn't quite come together in the same way. But there is logic in what Arsenal did. United did none of that, and it means they've been kind of been playing catch-up for the past well six years. And here we are. And
3: I suppose Arsenal are now better positioned to change manager if they need to, because they have that structure in place, whereas United feels maybe less solid if, when every time they have changed managers. Yeah,
0: that that's true? exactly And it feels like we United. And this is, again, going against the kind of trend of modern football, modern football. whereas so many clubs, uh, they, 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 can, they change the head coach, and kind of a lot stays constant. If United change the manager, I mean, it feels like everything's ripped up and started again, which, again, we've seen with... I mean, again, this, this, this comes back to the, the fundamental of this whole issue and a, a trend of modern football. This, as Luke mentioned, in terms of the Solchar and the fitness, you basically it'd be very rare in the modern game for that to be allowed where you could just because most, most clubs are there's just too many pieces in place for someone to just come in and completely change the fitness structure. Any manager coming in would have to fit into something that already works rather than completely alter anything that way.
1: Just finally, uh, before we wrap up, uh, what players do we think that Manchester United ideally need to sign in January? Obviously, you had the story. Weeks and weeks ago that they're interested in Mario Mandzukic, which is looking increasingly likely. Would he be a good fit for them? He seems to me like the complete opposite of the sort of player they would need, but
0: there we go. Well, he's basically what they kind of had in, to a degree in Lukaku, which is just an out for goals. And That's why, I mean, I think the reason they got rid of Lukaku is basically quote-unquote philosophy reason. That? Solskjaer wanted, in that Pochettino way, people who 100% buy into what they're trying to do. He felt Lukaku wasn't. So he felt he needed to get rid of him for these bigger reasons. But it didn't mean they lost the outball of what Lukaku is, which is 20 goals a season. Yeah. Um, but you, I mean, there are again, there's logic to what Solskjaer is doing in that to, for Lukaku to work, you need to play a certain way. And that isn't necessarily a long-term way of playing. And every time you do it, it actually takes away from the learning curve or delays the learning curve. But then if they bring in Manzuki, it just feels like that's a bit more of the same. Although maybe, maybe they feel he's a better, he's a better fit funny, uh, in the last two weeks actually people have been preaching a bit more cautious about Mandzukic so I still think there's a good possibility that, that gets done but not a certainty I
3: feel like they still miss Herrera a little bit as well, they didn't really replace him yeah. uh, Andreas Pereira I guess is the player who's benefited most, he's sort of come into a quite a prominent role in midfield and McTominay is obviously playing more regularly but um, I thought Herrera gave a lot to the team and gave something different, like he was very different to the what was around in Pogba and Matic and I don't think they've adequately replaced him. So whether you can find someone like that in January seems unlikely. But I think they're missing him as well.
1: Okay, thank you, gents. Uh, There's just enough time left for a hero and villain of the week. Miguel, do you want to go with a hero?
0: I got Marcus Rashford actually. Given the week he had, um, what he faced in Bulgaria, scored again, scored after to end his drought, and then scored again for United again once more against Liverpool. He's got a good good record in that fixture.
3: villain I'll go with Aaron Moy because he got the most pointless red card I've seen in a while and Brighton were on course for a really important if not three points then it's certainly a point and ended up losing the game so
1: yeah okay cheers guys Uh, sadly that's all we've got time for this week be sure to follow Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with everything going on Uh, and if you're a new listener please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts Spotify Acast or wherever it is you listen and we'll see you next week goodbye